a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, primary season really kicks off today in Ohio and Indiana. But, of course, everything coming out of Washington, D.C. today, the leaked opinion, the potential for an overturning of Roe versus Wade, uh, all of this is going to impact Republican and Democratic candidates alike uh, all across the country. And to help us break down the impact of that, Sarah Isger is a ABC News uh, contributor and legal analyst. Uh, she also is a staff writer for our friends over at the Dispatch. Uh, Sarah, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. So as we look at this uh, leaked draft opinion, uh, right as primary season kicks off, every, all eyes on Ohio and Indiana, and then uh, kind of moves on from there. Uh, as you look at it, what do you see the impl- implications from a broad perspective? And then we'll get down to the specifics of the parties. Well, look, I think that what is happening with Roe is fascinating because for the last 50 years, the political parties have become so associated with their positions on abortion, that it's quite possible we won't see any effect. Mm. Let's break this down. The two ways that an issue can affect an election is one, it has people change their vote, or two, it causes people to vote who otherwise were going to stay home. On that first issue, if everyone has already sorted themselves over 50 years into Republican or Democrat based on their stance of abortion, or they have come to agree with the party that they already associated with on abortion, then we're not going to see any vote switchers. Uh, you know, even as recently as 2009, 64 members of the House Democratic Caucus voted for the Hyde Amendment, a pro-life amendment about federal funding of abortions. Now there are two pro-life Democrats, mm-hmm. uh, both of whom are likely to be gone after this midterm election. Uh, and so it just there's no real reason to think um, that this issue will cause people to change their vote. Now, on the turnout issue, um, it's interesting because in 2018 and 2020, we saw some of the highest turnout that we've ever seen in American politics. And so in order to make the case that Roe would change that or overturning Roe, you'd have to find a voter who stayed home even when everyone else was turning out to vote, but is now going to vote because of the abortion issue. And again, after 50 years of it being a really salient cultural issue in American politics. Um, so I think it will have less of an impact than people think. Obviously, there's um, some some good arguments, for instance, that young people who did turn out in very high numbers in 2018 and 2020 were going to stay home this cycle because they don't approve of Joe Biden. They're liberal, uh, but unmotivated by Biden's presidency and that this might motivate them. Uh, I think that's an interesting argument um, or that there were Democrats who were going to cross over and vote for Republicans because of inflation. And this will bring them back home by November again. Um, an interesting argument. I'm just not sure that we're going to see the bombshell, 
you know, pushback, back, backlash that we that so many have predicted. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you uh, before I let you go and appreciate you carving out some time today, Sarah, is uh, I, I know there were many uh, during the, the first Trump victory uh, who kind of justified everything by by talking about just the Supreme Court. Uh, I, I dislike everything else, but because of the Supreme Court, I'm going to I'm going to vote Republican this time around. Uh, will we see that kind of uh, passion or that kind of interest less about Roe and more about the Supreme Court itself? Very interesting in terms of the data we have on that. And um, we call them butt Gorsuch voters. <laughs> I really don't like Donald Trump, but yes. Gorsuch. <laughs> um, you know, in the past, the data that we have has shown that Republicans are far more motivated to vote on Supreme Court picks than Democrats. Mm. And at this point, I think Democrats feel like the Supreme Court is largely lost. And so what you're looking at is either a votes to get rid of the filibuster, which could motivate Democrats or votes to pack or unpack the Supreme Court as the talking point may go to change the makeup of the Supreme Court and people running on that. We just haven't seen that being a real focus of any Democratic campaign, so it's hard to say whether it's going to motivate. And again, in 2022, where inflation and gas prices are expected to be just universally the number one thing that is bringing people to the polls, it might be hard to tease out. Um, who those voters are and whether they really made a difference. Uh, fantastic. Uh, Sarah, I know you are on a tight string today. We're going to give you five seconds of your life back. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. Great, <laughs> great analysis as always. We'll have you back again real soon. Thank you. All right, that's Sarah Isger, Isger from uh, ABC News correspondent and legal analyst. Uh, she also writes for the Dispatch staff writer over there. Uh, and great insight. Uh, Sarah can always break it down so clearly, so swiftly. Uh, and so that's interesting to me that uh, from from her data, what she's saying is that obviously over the course of uh, Roe, that everyone has sort of self-selected out. So she doesn't see that being as a big driver or cross-party thing. She she said that maybe this will impact younger voters who were expected to stay home during this midterm election, uh, having not been uh, wowed and jazzed about uh, the Biden administration, that they might just sit out the midterm election and wait for 2024. Uh, So that's one component of it. And then I do think it's also interesting to look at just the Supreme Court itself. I think that will be part of the debate. And we've seen that play out already today. Uh, you, you heard President Biden talking about the need to make sure that uh, Democrats won in the House and in the Senate so they could maintain control uh, so that they could uh, ensure that if there's another Supreme Court opening, that they can fill that uh, with someone from the left of center uh, in terms of uh, that ideology. And so those are all interesting things as we roll into the, the midterms and as we roll into primary season in particular. will also be interesting to see how this plays uh intra-party. So will this impact uh, any moderate Democratic uh, candidates across the country versus a more liberal Democratic candidate? Same thing on the Republicans. Will this impact some of those that are uh, conservative, some of those who are more center-right, or some of those that are just kind of in the middle? Where will this put them? Will it enable them to reach the the voters and uh, the electorate that they need to to actually win come November? And so I do think there's a lot of subsets uh, within the data and within the voting public in terms of how this is all going to play out and what it's actually going to mean uh, for this really crucial midterm election. But we're going to start seeing that play out today. Again, there are uh, races uh, today in Ohio and Indiana 
uh, and those are hotly contested races. A uh, very close race in Ohio. That will be a real establishment uh battle amongst a, a number of candidates there and which way that pendulum swings is going to be really interesting to watch. Uh, but mostly it's going to be interesting to see did the events of the last 24 hours, the the leaking of the opinion from Justice Alito, uh, does that tilt things? Does that stir up people? Does that drive people out to vote? Does it cause people to say, forget it, I'm just going to stay home? Uh, what does that What does that all mean? And so we're going to continue to break that down. I think there's also some really interesting analysis to be had uh, in terms of the the leaker and what was their motive. You know, is this a leaker from one of the conservative judges? Uh, what would their motive be? Why would they do that? What would the uh, the impact that they would hope to have if the if uh, again I'm assuming it's got to be a one of the law clerks um, that. Uh, what would their motive be in terms of, of getting it out there early, galvanizing the public response, you know, hoping to trigger a massive backlash before the, the case is actually decided? And I also think that's another thing we, we have to remember, that the case has not been decided. Until that is ruled and issued, uh, everything's up in the air. Any of those justices could, justices could change their mind for a host of different reasons. And flip their vote. And we know that's happened uh, at various points in history. Uh, we know that it even happened with John Roberts, the current chief justice, as it relates to the Affordable Care Act. That coming out of arguments, he was on one side of the issue. And over the course of those drafts of those opinions for and against that, he was persuaded to shift to a different vote. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, uh, how long they take, uh, and when they actually issue that opinion and ruling uh, will be fascinating to watch, and the implications will be far and wide. And, of course, the, the saddest part of all of this today is the breach of trust uh, and decorum that we have to have in the highest court of the land. All right, we're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. Bottom of the hour news is coming up. When we come back, what would you do if you had to evacuate during a wildfire? Uh, Benjamin Donner from the Red Cross will be here next to talk about that and how to make your property fire safe. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.